Hmm. Like we can read their minds when they listen to the podcast. Yeah. We just don't know it. Like we, we don't realize we're doing it because we're just too busy. Oh man. I don't know. It's yeah. heavy stuff. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't that be crazy? Maybe yeah. that's what's going on. I would on. be content to, to know any thoughts from anyone listening, but you yeah, know, absolutely. I haven't heard much feedback. So we'll check this out. If we're not, if we're not, receiving feedback let's look into mind control for it okay yeah we'll just might have to do it without their um consent i guess i don't know so anyone who's listening to this podcast be prepared to have your brains dissected by us at some point yeah we're gonna be digging around in your brain Welcome to the show. Um, and this show is called Accelerative Thrust. And uh, mm-hmm. we're going to get through this introduction no matter what. <laughs> yeah. I like how we always struggle with introductions, but it feels natural. <laughs> well, so, yeah, it shouldn't be that hard. We only have three things to say. Accelerate. See, I can't even say it. Accelerative <laughs> Thrust, Dan, Eric. You're That's sounded it. like me. Yeah. I think accelerative is a. A slightly difficult word for me. I don't it know really that. is. It's yeah. it, it's it's a tongue twister. It reminds me of a car. Makes sense because the accelerator. Yeah. And you're thrusting sometimes in a car. So in the back seat, you mean? <laughs> yeah, like in the back seat. Yes. <laughs> um. So you... how I know I'm just a dirty old man <laughs> dirty. telling dirty jokes. Yes. Uh, how's 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 your week been? <laughs> well, my week's we been, haven't recorded uh, in a, a little while. Actually. Yeah, that's true. It, it has been uh, quite a while. It's been pretty good. Uh, I was just watching a documentary about MTV, and I was telling Eric. I already told him this story about how <laughs> uh, when they were hiring the VJs, they had like a newspaper article that just basically gave like directions to this like apartment, this sketchy looking apartment. Mm-hmm. in new york and so when the vjs went to go actually interview for their jobs and this was before they had their jobs obviously uh they just walked into this like dingy dark room with like a spotlight at a chair and that's how they were like <laughs> asked questions huh but anyway do you have any memory of like watching mtv back then like when you oh, were yeah. like i remember mtv like starting i mean we didn't have it in Muscatine um, mm-hmm. right away. It was a at least a year or two after it started. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I remember how strange the videos were, specifically like Total Eclipse of the Heart and mm-hmm. like um, Putting on the Ritz by Taco. Mm-hmm. And Taco. Uh, everything was just real strange, these weird little movies and then a lot of videos that were seriously just like some live thing that they put together because they were using a lot of things that weren't really made to be videos they were just filling the air with like promotional videos or live performances and things like that so um but i remember feeling pretty connected to sort of um youth culture and coolness and it was awesome that the whole country was sort of watching it at the same time, shared experience. So yeah, I loved MTV. It was like one of the coolest things 
that happened in my childhood. Yeah, same here. I definitely um, remember, you know, watching like Huey Lewis in the news and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, all, all of the iconic like MTV videos. And yeah, mm-hmm. you're right. Those early MTV videos were very strange. There, there was like this yeah. underlying darkness to like everything. Yeah, uh, it, it was really weird. Like just, and then like, yeah, it's also strange to think that when MTV first started, they didn't really have enough videos to justify from to keep playing like new artists at first. So then, yeah, like you were saying, uh, they would make videos for songs that were already like, you know, like like Ramones, I Want to Be Sedated, you know, which that right. record came out like years before MTV. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, that was the song off of that album that they decided to make a video for. And like, mm-hmm. and yeah. then eventually it became like, okay, well, no, we're not going to do that anymore. We're just going to play new artists now. Yeah. You know, it, it, mm-hmm. it's the evolution of MTV is a very interesting thing. And then I oh, remember yeah. early on the shows like Remote Control. Oh, I loved remote control. That was my favorite thing ever made probably when I was a kid. Yeah. I got to feel so smart for the, like the first time in my life. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I really, um, I don't think it was in the eighties, but in the mid nineties, at least maybe even early. Oh yes. Oh my gosh. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I I learned about, uh, the residents. I learned about Guar. I learned about other bands that didn't wear, um, giant masks on their head right and um right i i just i i loved it. It, it 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 yeah mtv for as pointless as it might seem to me now it really was a really cool thing to grow up with mtv yeah. the way it was you know well i think um the other thing is commercial as they were and all unapologetically there was a lot of like really exploring like strange moments where they were really exploring uh you know like underground and um Mm -hmm. uh you know like uh outsider culture like the Mm -hmm. uh what was it like 1988 or 1989 they had some special where daniel johnston just crashed like yeah and he just gets up and they focus the camera on him for like two minutes and then yeah Daniel Johnston just got to basically he just broadcasted his little songs to the world. And that's <laughs> for as for as many people who like want to bash MTV, and it's understandable now as a 40-year-old who grew up, you know, during the time why people would want to. Uh mm-hmm. there was a lot of really important shit that MTV really helped uh promote. Yeah, that absolutely. Just really like. Like you said, I would have never heard of the residents, Gore mm-hmm. or Ween if it wasn't mm-hmm. for MTV. For sure. Know? I and yeah. I think I think those bands also would not get the level of exposure that they did if it wasn't for MTV as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. And not only that, but even like um through Headbangers Ball and um well it was the cutting edge and became 120 minutes right. through those shows, like a lot of people got exposure that otherwise probably wouldn't have. And those were commercial in their own way, of course. But at the same time, I mean, I, I mean, I can't even describe how many bands I discovered on there between that and off the beaten track on KFMH in Muscatine. 
Yeah. I, I mean, that's where I found out about everything. There was nowhere else to go. You didn't really have the internet. So it was like mm-hmm. on Sunday night, you either had to watch 120 or re- and record off the beaten track or vice versa. And by the, you know, I would take notes like every week I'd have five to 10 bands. I wanted to try to find out more information about, which was actually really hard. It wasn't like you just searched it and had access to every record they ever made. Yeah. Like, well, I guess I'll go see if music land has these, you know, like, yeah. or if I can find a magazine that talks about it or something. Yep. But, and if you, if you go to music land more times than not, if it was a really unpopular band, they'd be like, well, we can special order it for you. Yeah. And so yeah. you would, you would have to buy the CD having never listened to it. Mm-hmm. Like it's cool. Like what we've got now access yeah. to everything, but there was definitely something special about Mm -hmm. that period of time in the 80s and 90s you know i agree yeah i kind of liked the idea that i would hear of a band um i'll never get the chance to hear them like that's pretty fun you know (laughs) just like yeah yeah just live in your mind or something you know yeah so yeah yeah and then having to track it like you may by some chance like track it down later like use it record collector maybe yeah maybe or, yeah. you know, otherwise you're just like, God, lingers in the back of your mind until it bothers you enough that you're like, you know what, fuck it. I'm just going to go ahead and drop the $30. Right. It was amazing when you actually looked through Musicland yeah. in Muscatine. And it was amazing sometimes some of the stuff that they actually had. I remember like mm-hmm. uh, in the hip hop section, they actually had um, Atmosphere's God Loves Ugly in like the year like mm. 2001. Wow. Uh, when it first came out. And this was before atmosphere really made waves, you know? Mm-hmm. So he was still an underground thing. There was wow. actually a lot of like underground, like stuff that music land carried for being mm. a, um, yeah. you, you know, you had to dig through everything. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a dream about music land, not that long ago. Yeah, I think I like, might've too, or I saw some photos or I watched one of those videos where they go through a, uh, ghost town dead mall or something oh yeah the muscatine mall yes right but yeah i've definitely been in music land recently in a in a dream or a memory yeah, or some sort of media <laughs> it was the weirdest thing i actually had to like and this is what was really strange is that mm-hmm. um i had to wake up and i had to actually think is music land still open did it ever oh, close man. down like it actually like because it, it felt that real like i was walking yeah. into the record store and uh, anyway, then what was really interesting about the uh, later that day is I went to go get a coffee and the lady who uh, um, was uh, working behind the counter used to work at Musicland. Mm, wow. And I remember I actually joked with her that, you know, I had a dream about Musicland. And she <laughs> said that it was like her and her husband's dream to... Uh, open up a record store again in Muscatine. Wow. Cool. And I went in there to get a coffee and I was talking to her and I told her about the dream that I had about music land. <laughs> so you know her already. Yeah. Yeah. I know okay, her outside of music land. Well, I kind of, I mean, I never hung out with her. I just, <laughs> I'm just her. saying like, if you walked into a place and it had been 20 years or something uh-huh. and you just walked in and said, I had a dream about you at music land <laughs> it would be so creepy well, yeah but i didn't i was just thinking that would be a, a funny no, situation that, it would be creepy <laughs> if you like said 
oh, I had a dream with you in it. <laughs> Music land 20 years ago. Like, yeah, that would be something creepy for sure. Anyway, but uh, she wow. told me mm-hmm. that it's her and her husband's dream to open up a record store in Muscatine again. Nice. That'd be cool. I said, that would be badass. I just wonder how good it would actually go over in a place like muscatine these days because even iowa city can only keep one record store barely afloat it seems like yeah speaking of records <laughs> yeah there's a lot of records out there that we like to listen to as well yeah so um all right i'm gonna be we're gonna be doing the same thing this is it's been two weeks since we mm-hmm. talked to you guys about records and uh so we got four records or two records a piece and then we're doing a local and boy, am I excited about this one? Uh, yeah. Void dweller. Void dweller. Man. Yeah. We'll, we'll do that one near the end. I've got a lot to say about that one. Good stuff. Good <laughs> oh, <okay>. stuff. <laughs> I got, I got a lot to say about that one. Let me tell you, <laughs> uh, out of my two, I'm going to start off with the rock side of things. Mm. And uh, I am going to be talking about a record uh, from Blackwater Holy Light um, called Veils of Winter. So this actually is a record that I picked before I had the Accelerative Thrust um, podcast. I had a YouTube channel and I did a video which got taken down for some reason or Mm. I took it down. I don't remember which one the where i did like the top 20 albums of 2019 mm-hmm. and uh this was actually my number one pick in 2019 Whoa. nice blackwater holy light veils of winter um this is just uh in my eyes uh, just a, a really fantastic record there's a lot of great textures and a lot of um uh it it is on the surface kind of like a metal record, but I think there's just so much other stuff going on. Uh, there's definitely like a huge kind of shoegaze element kind of going on. Also, I guess like 90s alternative indie rock sort of thing. Some of the um, the names of like recommended if you like uh, that come to mind would be like Black Sabbath. Uh Electric Wizard, but also PJ Harvey, uh, Chelsea Wolf, um, and even like maybe a little bit of like something like My Bloody Valentine. But mm-hmm. overall, they just mix it all together. And I think that the vocals on this record are just gorgeous. They're just so, so good. And there's a lot of atmospheric sort of stuff and yeah there it is kind of doomy but not i mean i definitely would not stop there in its description there's some almost like pixies pixies ish guitars even like a little modest mouse ish a little bit like in some of the songs it's got you know just it it kind of um the songs kind of change course you know within themselves a lot Mm -hmm. which i really like quite a bit um and uh yeah i mean i i just think that this was this was in 2019 my favorite record that came out then and it 
still holds up very well. This is the first time I've listened to it in uh, quite a while. And I also listened to their first album, which is the self-titled record, which I think is equally as good. Um, the group is from Portland. And uh, so, um, and I don't know the names of everybody who's in it, but mm -hmm. yeah, I just think that it's really a fantastic record. Um I really, I mean, I don't have much more to say about it other than I just think, I still think it's amazing. Uh, what did you think of it, Eric? Yeah, I liked it a lot. Um, I have this personal adage that I always say, and anyone who knows me is sick of me saying it, but I, I feel like um, when it comes to stoner, doom stuff, like I've always said before, like the um, the Sabbath worship element of it, the thing mm -hmm. that no one gets right is the sort of swing of it all yeah you know? and this definitely does it gets it right yes um it is heavy slow stoner doom i mean without a doubt but there's elements of prog in there there's elements of psychedelic there are some synths um yeah it it like i said the riffs are super killer like they're not unlike something that is really stoner-ish like clutch but they really do doom it up and they slow it down and it does end up being something pretty different um they also branch out into some more up-tempo moments which is like i said super nice to hear like i love stoner and doom stuff but when it just sets there and doesn't do a lot sometimes i'm like yeah okay whatever yeah um, but really the thing that sets this apart is the vocals they're they're gorgeous. Um, yes. I don't know the members' names either, but the main singer um, has a really beautiful voice. Um, and then just in general. And then during most of it, there's like also two or even three part harmonies that remind me a lot of, and I'll mention them again. I mention them all the time, but the Roaches. Um, but also, and this is going to sound like I'm being a jerk, but I am seriously not. The song Hazy Shade of Winter by the Bangles is one of my favorite songs. And the vocals of that, the production of it, and the harmonies, that's all I could hear in this Blackwater Holy Light was that almost oh, wow. spot on production and harmonies. And they're, they're just, they're really pretty. And it sets the whole thing off. It sets it just completely in its own its own place so i think it's really pretty and it comes off as well thought out and well done and super heavy so yes the things that i thought it sort of reminded me of were just heavy rock like wind hand and things like that um it was a little sleep-ish at times but also mm -hmm. a little like black mountain mm -hmm. at times and actually, there's this band that I really like. I think they're from Chicago called Gone, G-A-A-N. I don't even know if they're still around. But it had elements of that, too. It's proggy, psychedelic, but super heavy. And um, the vocals are just, they set it off, and it's really sweet. So, yeah, yeah, I liked it a lot. I thought it was great. Yeah, I'm glad you liked that one, Eric. Yeah, that's good. Um, my first choice, I'm thinking, I'm going to go with Giant claw okay uh the record's called mirror guide came out in 2021 um my wife told me about it 
um, said, hey, I think you'll really like this. Um, my nephew, Owen, told me about it. Um, Owen is 16, but I, okay. So I always think of like the Hard Times article where it's like uh, kindergartner already listening to Ramones at third grade yeah. level, you know? Yeah. That's kind of how Owen is. Like he is 16. He has a um, kind of ambient vaporwave project called Skeesh that he's been doing hmm. for years and it's really that good sounds really familiar um and he's kind of coming into his own on that but yeah he taught he you know he's when he was like 14 he's like listening to daughters and flying lotus and stuff oh and like, crap. who is this kid but and it doesn't really have anything to do with me which you would think well you know he might have told him about this stuff or got him into synths or whatever but I really don't think so. I think he's just kind of on his own. That this path. is your nephew? Yeah. So wow. Um, cool kid. And yeah. Um, so both of them told me about it. And uh I was like, well, I gotta check this out. You know, if two people tell you specifically you would like this. And they were right. Uh I loved it. At first, when it starts out, it seems like a pretty straightforward vapor wave kind of thing. Um heavy use of the harpless strong string synthesis that I always talk about, you know, those real harp uh, plucked string sounds. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of ratcheting, sort of like clock dividing, that sort of um, sound that happens a lot with drums where it's like, you know, does that kind yeah. of stuff. And so it seems like that's kind of what it's gonna be. But then after a while, you're like, this is not just that, you know? things will come in like real elements of jazz, like real, seemingly real trumpet, clarinet, uh, things like that. And they'll come in with these movements that almost remind me of like uh, Disco Volante era bungle. Like mm -hmm. it's real strange. And then there's like real serious classical moments. There's uh, a lot of post-rock movement to this whole thing. Like that gets, it gets real epic real fast and things like that. Um, it's psychedelic. There's elements of choral music. There's elements of avant-garde noise, hard vapor, music concrete, like just all kinds of stuff happening here, but it all sounds like it's supposed to be there. Um, and I, I was pretty blown away by it. I just think of it, it's kind of like a really beautiful classical post-rock noise vaporwave record <laughs> you know just you know your classic example of that but it is refreshing and i just found it endlessly like disarming like as soon as i thought i had my head around it i didn't and um i just think it came off as a really interesting and pretty and exciting record so mm -hmm. yeah what do you think dan yeah um i mean this I, I really dug this a lot it um like you, uh, you know, at first I kind of, you know, thought, okay, yeah, this sounds like vaporwave and with avant-garde experimental electronic elements kind of thrown in. And, you know, there's a lot of really crazy sounds kind of going on, but like you said, it all fits together. And there's also a lot more going on than just, just that. The way that I kind of described it makes it sound like it's some crazy experimental record when really it's, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it is experimental, but it's it's also there's a lot kind of going on and it just works together so well. Um, mm -hmm. 
I like one of the things, my two favorite moments on the record were the horns that got thrown in on the second track called Mirror oh, yeah. Cam Startup. Yep. And what I really like about that is this is what I wrote down and I still mm-hmm. stand by this. It sounds like a marching band warming up while taking acid <laughs> or, or free jazz, which, right. uh, what's the difference between the two? Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, that's what free jazz sounds like. Yeah. And then I like how the next track is called mirror cam online. Mm-hmm. And that almost has almost like a jungle rhythm with yeah. elements of like spaz and digital hardcore kind of thrown in. Right. Just really a lot of instrumental sounds. I also like the contrast between the two tracks because it actually seems to, it almost sounds like they're trying to convey like an actual like program warming up in the startup song. And then like, mm-hmm. it just kind of whatever needed to happen happened with the right. cam online. And it's like, then it sounded crazy. Like it almost sounded like, like they were almost like um, trying to like make it sound like, okay, yep. We just got to wait a little bit and then this is going to open up. And then as soon as it opens up, it just goes crazy. And that's right. kind of, I don't know if that was what they were actually intending mm-hmm. and if that was even, but that's what it felt like. So I'm assuming that maybe that's what they were trying to do with the, the titles of the song and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of it reminded me mm-hmm. of like Ken Butler, a little bit of John Zorn, but I mean, mm-hmm. it's, really really good uh there was also some talking left in it like at certain parts which i thought was pretty cool and hilarious yeah like uh, i think like you know i I, i'm not sure what that was about i'm assuming it was just like oh man you know like you know how like sometimes you're like oh i messed that up and sometimes you just choose Mm -hmm. to leave that in yeah i thought that was really cool like you know because it almost it made it sound very, um, you know, made it sound almost like a punk approach to doing this kind of mm-hmm. stuff, like yeah. in a weird sort of way. And then I also immediately thought of what you mentioned with, I think it was Fire Tools that you mentioned uh, public domain music. Like yeah. Mm-hmm. Some of that kind of creeped into here a little bit sure. also as well. I mean, there's, yeah. it's, yeah, really good stuff. I really enjoyed it a Sweet. lot. Okay, so... Now, I guess we're on to my rap release of the week. <laughs> <laughs> this is um, from a, uh, a rapper named Blue, uh, spelled just B-L-U. The name of the record is York. Used to be called No York, but mm-hmm. he changed the name. Um, so Blue is a rapper from L.A., and he collaborates with a lot of other rappers. Uh, he kind of reminds me at of MF doom in that sense, because MF doom had a lot of, had a a few solo albums, but he had probably more collaborative records than he did or rappers under different alias or uh, rap albums under different aliases and things like that. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what blue reminds me of because um, he does have some, like a few official, um, solo albums i think maybe a couple that are just under the name blue but um uh most of his other work is collaborating like a lot with this guy named exile Mm. and other he's got like other groups like short-lived groups that put out like you know one album uh so he's definitely more of a collaborative like backpack backpack style rapper Mm -hmm. um york is blues second official solo album 
Uh, his first one called Below the Heavens came out in 2007. And that one is actually considered like an underground hip hop classic by many. Um, and the difference in sound between this album and that album is pretty big. And it makes sense because this record, I think, came out in 2012. So there's quite a, f quite a few years between the two. Um, and uh, that album, like all the way through, had like a real sort of, I don't want to say backpack rap, but, you know, it, it had kind of a uh, like an updated sort of tribe feel sort of to it, things like that. Um, and it was, it was really, really good, but I feel like this record has more experimental abstract elements, but I don't think it's, it's, it, I definitely wouldn't say that it's abstract to the point where it's, you know, just like really out there or anything, but there's mm -hmm. just sound wise, there's like more elements of like, I don't know, video game music that are, that's kind of thrown in, um, and some techno and maybe almost like chip tune like production. And I don't know if he had multiple producers on this record, mm. but there's a lot of curveballs kind of thrown in, which I dig about it, but it's also, you know, just very much a rap record with really good lyricism. And there's quite a few guests on it. In fact, at times I kind of wonder if it's almost like a, like an underground version of the chronic or something where it mm. almost seems like he's showcasing a bunch of other rappers, uh, you know, and, and he's kind of like the main sort of guy behind it sort of thing, mm -hmm. though. He's not a producer like Dre was or Dre is he's, he's a rapper. Um, so I'm assuming he probably just had multiple producers on this record, but yeah, it's, I still consider it experimental, but not super. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it, it's got some lesser known rappers that I don't, I mean, most of them I've never heard of, you know, then or since mm -hmm. I haven't heard anything from most of them, except, um, you God who is associated with Wu-Tang clan. Hmm. Um, I think he was, he's kind of an honorary Wu-Tang member. Hmm. And I think he might be the only rapper actually from New York on this record. I think everybody else might be from LA though. I'm not mm -hmm. sure. Some of the rappers are pretty weird though, which I, I think is really cool. Uh, and interesting thing about this record too, is that it originally was supposed to be put out by a major label. Hmm. And when they heard it, they just said that it had no commercial potential. So hmm. it actually was supposed to come out earlier than it did. It kind of got shelved. <laughs> until it eventually and i remember watching the video on mtv2 uh back in like 2011 to the opening track um called doing nothing mm -hmm. and it was this really like weird like animated video that i seriously it stopped me in my tracks because it was on uh mtv jams at the time and so it, it was just like, I was like, whoa, what is this? It's like a really, really strange video. Mm. And it sounds almost like this. I don't know if you've ever heard Sensational. No. Mm -hmm. uh, who used to be on, he put out an album on Ipecac. 
and he's like this really crazy lo-fi experimental rapper uh and it almost sounds like that only with like better production Hmm. and so Hmm. that's what really stopped i was like whoa this is on mtv during the day (laughs) and it is a weird song and it's 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 a weird song to start an album off with as well it's got Hmm. this like really dizzying beat that's just kind of a loop that just like like it almost sounds like you could almost describe it as it almost sounds like a motor like trying to start Mm -hmm. or something like it's really it's really interesting and and when i say that it's not noisy it's just Mm -hmm. it's just got an off-kilter beat that you don't normally hear on rap songs in fact i recently looked this video up and there were comments of people that are like this isn't blue. He would never do a song like this. Hmm. <laughs> you know? wow. And I think that's awesome because it's another example of like how sometimes hip hop can be really, really conservative when it comes to like um, how people expect hip hop to be done, like hip hop heads or whatever you want to call them. They mm-hmm. really want hip hop done a certain way and they don't want it tampered with to the point where I've even heard of people wanting councils to like determine what is, you know, appropriate in hip hop and things like that. It's, it's interesting stuff how I, I, and I've said it before, I think people are very protective about hip hop and it's totally understandable considering where it came from and the culture that that is behind it and stuff. Mm -hmm. But sometimes I think that that mentality also leads to stuff like, when, when an artist does do something different, it isn't just rehashing the same uh, sound that they had like in the 90s or whatever, mm-hmm. that they're somehow not true hip hop or something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so that, you know, uh, that kind of, I think maybe that kind of comes into play because also, like I said, uh, his first album was kind of considered an underground hip hop classic and had, mm-hmm. you know, more of a, I'm not going to say straightforward because it really wasn't a straightforward hip hop record, but it, it had more of a, I guess, uh, something that like old school hip hop fans and new school fans could relate to alike. Whereas this one maybe kind of goes out of the box a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's what I really like about it. I think that there's just a lot of really, really cool things. A lot of um, things that uh, he tried on this record. Uh, to my knowledge, I've listened to some of his stuff since. He's never really made another record like it. And so I just kind of think it might've just been an experiment that sort of was just that he just wanted to try at that time. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know. What'd you think, Eric? Yeah, I liked it a lot. The um, production is super diverse. Honestly, if this was a a mixtape, I would not even think, wow, that's some of this sounds really similar to each other. Like, yeah, it's all over the place. Um, There's elements of old school hip hop, um, eight bit kind of like video game music, um, mm-hmm. noise, uh, a lot of seventies kind of soul works its way in there. Yeah. Um, but it's also really psychedelic and not necessarily like they're using psychedelic samples, but the construction of the songs turns it psychedelic. Like yeah. there's a lot of, they have a lot of like phaser and flanger, kind of effects happening so it's swirling like a yeah. lot of the time i think you said dizzying yeah description and that works for me like 
and the production is so dense like there's yes. so happening it's so thick but then there's this constant movement to it like things are just moving and honestly yeah. a couple of tracks i was listening to this in the car really loud and it almost started to make me feel nauseous i know yeah. that that's not probably what you should say in a record review of a record <laughs> you like but for real it, it just got so swirly and yeah i don't know i found this to be extremely experimental and like yeah extremely uh hard to digest but at the same time super fun and yeah really well done and so i don't know i i did like it a lot um i'm just throwing it out there that it gets real weird so yeah it, it is a very strange um, record i um yeah i don't think it's as experimental as like say an aesop rock record right or something like that but at the same time i actually found parallels mm -hmm. between this and an aesop rock for sure record. like Absolutely. i actually think that this this almost reminded me of Bazooka Tooth at times. Yeah, I would agree um, with that for sure. It it but I think that there was also like a catchiness to this mm -hmm. at times that really isn't on Bazooka Tooth. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> and yep. so like it's it's so weird to me that MTV chose to let a video to that song doing nothing be played. Yeah. I didn't know I don't know if you knew that or not. Uh -uh. That was actually being played on MTV two during the day, like Crazy. back in 2011 for like probably a year, they would show it like off and on. It's crazy. It definitely is like, I can see why a major label would have been like, okay, we're not putting this out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I can, it's, I can see that too. It's, yeah. it is a crazy, crazy hip hop record. Definitely. Yeah. It's good stuff um, though. And it's amazing to me. It came out in 2013 to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. It, it sounds thoroughly modern so it really does yeah, yeah it's 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 another one of those situations that i think uh definitely ahead of its time for sure yeah, absolutely yeah so i have one more of my picks left also came out in 2013 mm -hmm. um it's by a group called true widow um the name of the record is circumambulation circumambulation uh it's kind of a long word mm -hmm. um but I, I really liked True Widow. I thought it was cool. Um, it's twangy. Uh, it's dark. It has a lot of reverb, a lot of guitar. It's really druggy. Um, it's very like garage rockish in its own way. Mm -hmm. It's really shoegazy in another way. And it's really grungy in its own way too. Yes. Like the, the main riffs it's funny because one of the first things I thought about was this reminds me of earth. Mm -hmm. And I had never really, I knew that Dylan Carlson was friends with Kurt Cobain. And I knew that, you know, they shared similar realms and things, but I never thought of earth as being grungy at all. Like it just didn't cross my mind. And then somehow through listening to this, I was like, Oh, I get it. Like, kind of like when you think of like certain Nirvana intros and stuff, like if that were played on a baritone guitar with a slight amount of distortion and a lot of reverb, then you would have this, you know? Right. And it's like, Oh, I never really put that together. Um, so it is mellow, but it's like 
heavy, you know, in its own way. Um, it for me, it was somewhere in between Earth and Dead Moon and Sonic Youth. Like if you put all three of those things together, that's what you'd end up with. Um, like I said, it does have this sort of like garage rock druggy element to it. And the, it's like the things aren't played particularly technically precisely enough to make this like a heavy metal record. It's, it is really loose. And for me, that works though. Like it has a different feel to it very much like dead moon to be honest um but yeah if you like twangy uh heavy riff laden stuff like this is pretty good it was engaging but honestly it was very apathetic sounding kind of just a lazy rock sound to the whole thing which i loved i i uh i could put this on and just do anything to it or read to it or uh, just nod off to it. Like not nod off in a heroin way, but just like fall asleep too. Um, but I, I really loved it. Um, and I, I, I don't get to hear things like this very often that in there where it's like twangy and dark. And so I'm always really stoked when I do find something like that. But what do you think, Dan? Yeah, I like this a lot. This, uh, I, just like you said, it's like the perfect blend to me of doom metal, grunge, even elements of goth, um, mm -hmm. indie rock, and like you said, twang. There's definitely an unmistakable twang mm -hmm. to this. And also very minimalist uh, and repetitive, but without mm -hmm. getting boring. For some reason, it just, it stays interesting. Uh, but at the same time, it's, there's, also different things going on uh buildups and stuff like that i like how the uh vocals interchange between the um uh male and female mm -hmm. singer like some songs are sung by uh the guy and some sing some songs are sung by uh the girl who's in the group or i, I don't even know who all's in the group like so it could be more than one but uh anyway i i just i love the vocals on it yeah. um you know, and some of it reminded me a little bit of like, I don't know, something like Queens of the Stone Age, like some of the mm -hmm. some sure. of the stuff from Queens of the Stone Age. But there's one group right away, especially the first track for some reason that mm -hmm. it really reminded me of. And this might sound like a strange comparison, but especially the first track reminded me a lot of Folk Implosion. Oh, um, sure. Yeah, there, I can see that. Yeah, There was... Uh, especially that the guy's voice mm -hmm. reminds me a lot of Lou Barlow. Yeah. A lot. Uh, to the point where I almost thought I had to double check. Cause I don't know if you've ever heard the um, folk implosion album. Um, uh, something about a lullaby. I can't think of it. Uh, one part lullaby. One part lullaby. Yeah. That's it. Mm -hmm. I have the first track on that song on that album sounds a lot like the first track mm. on this album yeah to me. that's cool just the way and i actually had to look up and make sure this isn't a cover of folk implosion <laughs> or something like and, and, and i don't mean that to sound like yeah. i'm insulting but i mean i thought well this almost sounds like that song because the way that he sung it mm -hmm. and the melody that he sung it in and then the rest of the record for better or for worse i couldn't unhear folk implosion yeah, whenever I got he you. sang 
Um, no, yeah, I think that I think that's a really good comparison. Yeah, and it's really, but it's also darker and doomier than mm-hmm. Folk Implosion. It's like uh, definitely way more, like I said, repetitive and like you said, apathetic. Like mm-hmm. it just sounded like they don't give a shit. Let's just yeah get together and rock, which I think is fucking awesome. There needs to be more of that. In I rock. think so too, because that's exactly yeah. the problem with rock: is too many people care. Well, they're just trying too damn hard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, and so that's badass. Like that yeah. there's something like this. And uh also, um, you know, I also heard like say um, you know, some Chelsea Wolf or Emma Ruth Rundle um kind of in there. And you know, the you know, the basically the same stuff that I would compare Blackwater Holy Light to. However, I don't think I think those they sound different, both of those bands. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also similar elements that right. come to me from both bands as well. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I love this. This cool. is absolutely, nice. absolutely a fantastic record. So, nice. um, yeah. Uh, so that means we go on to the local release now. Yeah. So the local review we're doing this week i don't know how i found it i just found it and i liked it um it's by a project called void dweller um the project or this record is called Bandcamp friday cash grab number 478 um void dweller is from Atumwa, um and that literally is all i know about void dweller so um I'd love to know more. Anyway, this release came out in May of 2021, so not that long ago. The um, description of it basically says, you know, I wanted some money, so I put this out. Um, And it came out on a three-inch CDR, um, which uh, is sold out, and I wish I would have gotten in on that because that's awesome. I would say that this record, it reminds me a lot of like other things we've talked about, Div Tech, Youth Code, Decide Today, that kind of like heavy, aggressive, digital hardcore kind of kind of thing. But I do think there's a lot of other stuff happening here. There's elements of industrial, there's unapologetic elements of 90s hip hop. Um, like I said, digital hardcore, Gabber some vaporwave and their use of certain sounds, synthwave, um, a heavy dose of punk and even metal, even hardcore at times. Um, this goes everywhere and it does it all really well. Um, I personally really like the 90s elements that are involved in this and the sounds that they use. Uh, one song um, in particular, I think it's Thought Crime. Um, uses like a Windows error sound as part of the music and it's really fun. Um, There's a lot of like true sort of like 90s hip hop sample sounds too. I swear one of the songs uh, uses the sample from Buffalo Stance by Nana Cherry or maybe it's um, a Technotronic song, either way. Uh, And so it has a lot of those types of samples. I I really liked this, it was, it's super aggressive. It's super noisy, but it's also super fun. It's like tongue in cheek. 
it's enjoyable to listen to. You're rewarded as a listener who has like the more knowledge you have of the music that this is um, deriving from, the more you're going to enjoy it. It's almost like inside jokes. It's like esoteric music. Like you hear things and you're like, oh shit, that's hilarious. Or, whoa, that's an amazing use of that or things like that. It's just super self-aware. I can't wait to listen to more of it. And I really hope that this is also a live project. And if it is, I hope to see it sometime soon. Um, But yeah, I would say if you want to get wound up, get aggressive, but also have a really fun time, um, this Void Dweller release is awesome. And I can only assume that the other releases are awesome too. So yeah, what'd you think, Dan? Well, uh, this is what I wrote down in my notes. The best parts of everything. (laughs) And that's it. That's all I really need to say. Right. Like, (laughs) I mean, this is just amazing. I almost don't want to know anymore about Void Dweller. Yeah. Because I'm afraid (laughs) that uh, I've heard the name. I think Void Dweller has been on some shows in the Quad Cities or something. Mm-hmm. I think, I don't know if this is a live project or not. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, I would love to see it live. Cause I would love to see like what, you know, exactly would go down there, but that's it. The best parts of digital, hardcore, hip hop, chip tunes, metal, grindcore, gabber, sample music. It's never ending punk, mm-hmm. uh, metal, industrial everything is literally in a blender here and like Mm -hmm. you said the references are so are so great and sometimes it flies over my head and sometimes i'm just like oh my god he used that right exactly but the most the most just in your face example was the remix of nelly furtado's promiscuous (laughs) yeah i thought that that was just fantastic yeah everything about this is just this is just like what I want as a listener right now. Yeah. There's <laughs> pop culture references. There's references to, you know, like you said, 90s hip hop references to, you know, just I didn't even catch that Windows 95 yeah. <laughs> thing that you mentioned. Like, but I'm sure that once I hear it again, because I will listen mm-hmm. to this again and I'm going to listen to more Void Dweller too. Yeah. But like I said, I don't know. Void Dweller, if you're listening, would it be, am I ready to hear more of you? <laughs> uh, it's it's so good. It's it's. I really, really enjoyed this a lot. I mean, yeah. it was just, yeah, I, I can't even describe it. it. Yeah, there definitely is an element of like fun in this mm-hmm. too. I feel like whoever is behind Void Dweller has to have a sense of humor. Absolutely. Yeah, they... Um... They do have a few different releases available on Bandcamp. Right. Um, yep. And some of them are a condom printed with like a QR code to go get your digital download. <laughs> yeah. Like it it just seems like a lot of fun and like it's um like a commentary on society and consumerism and using Bandcamp yep. Friday against itself. And I just yeah, it seems a re- like a really well fully formed um, sort of idea and aesthetic and point. Like the point is there, and it's the point is to seemingly to tear down 
society as we know it. And I'm into it. <laughs> you know, um, what, uh, it also reminded me of a little bit is, uh, like a, almost like a metal version of negative land or something. Sure. Exactly. Like, yeah. or even like, you remember that one guy that, uh, stunt rock or whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah. Stunt it, rock. Sure. It reminds me a little bit of that kind of stuff. I too. agree. Like just, yeah. But it's, it's, it's basically what this is, is like an audio zine or something mm-hmm. like, you know, it's, it's so good. I love this kind of stuff. I yeah, love, me too. I love when people use true source material to recycle it and make it into something like that's why I love cut and paste zines. Yeah. And that that's really what this is, is like a audio cut and paste zine. I agree. Like an audio collage. I love collage stuff. Mm-hmm. I think that you should steal from everything. Yeah. Steal yeah. from everything. Um, and you'll, you'll be okay. Yeah. I think so too. Yeah. But um, so, yeah, I uh, my recommendation is to check out all the releases on Bandcamp from Void Dweller um, order stuff. Yeah. And I, I think that um, I'm going to keep an eye out for this. And if I see they're playing somewhere close, I will be on my way to the Absolutely. show. So. Yeah, I've, I've got to see this. Line. Yeah, this nice. is this is real. I'm, I'm so glad you recommended this. Yeah, it's I. I, I I, like I said, I don't even remember where I saw it, but um, mm-hmm. whoever suggested this or posted about it or recommended it or whatever, thanks. And um, if it was just my own brain looking around, then thanks to my brain. <laughs> Sometimes you got to thank your thoughts. Yeah. Thank you, thoughts. Thank you, ladies. Where and would I be without you? There seems to be like a, and this is kind of in response to like some of the recommendations that you give like with the whole vaporwave thing you know like this cut and paste music Mm -hmm. it does seem to be getting a lot of like attention more and more or at least more people are kind of wanting to make this kind of stuff and in Mm -hmm. some ways i almost feel like this kind of stuff is like Mm -hmm. almost like anti-music in a way sure like do you think because I know that like in the nineties, it was really like this kind of stuff was like few and far between, although a lot Mm -hmm. of this kind of stuff did exist. Do you think that this is like kind of a response to how, you know, cause there's always kind of been this underlying sort of like, we're going to rebel against, you know, music the way that Mm -hmm. it is in the corporate world. Do you think it's just like coming to a head with a lot of this stuff kind of I know that this is kind of a basic like question, but I was just wondering what your thoughts about. Like, do maybe... I think this is anti-music? Yeah, yeah, essentially. Do you think that this sure. is like anti-music? And do you think that it it's coming to a head like where people are just like, you know, because everything in the past like mm-hmm. 15 years from the creation of something like Bandcamp or Spotify is mm-hmm. making people afraid that the music industry is, well, not, it's not making people like you and I afraid. Mm-hmm. It's making us like cheer it on because now we can listen to Void Dweller just from going yeah. to Bandcamp, you know. But like the music industry is like this is killing the music industry. And well, the thing about that is though, here's what I I think honestly is the weirder pop music gets, the weirder the response to pop music has to be. And we live in this cycle where pop music is gonna take whatever is going on in the underground and use it and and homogenize it into something that everyone can listen to right mm-hmm. but as soon as the underground 
is on the radio, the underground has to change. And so its response is to tear things down and rebuild it. And then pop music comes along and sees that and steals that and uses it. And then the underground music has to get even weirder. So Mm. when I hear pop music now, I'm just like, are you kidding? Like, why does everyone use a vocoder now? Why? Yeah. Why is there clock division and ratcheting snares and shit in pop music? Why does that synth sound so goofy and strange and, you know, like amnesia scanner, even though it's on the pop station? And it's because that's how it works. If you want to be, if you want to keep people on the edge of their seat, you, you just add those little elements into something that, you know, is sort of a standard issue kind of pop song. And then all of a sudden it's weird. So I definitely think this is a response and I think it's anti digestible music, but at the same time, this will probably also get utilized and it'll just have to keep getting more, less accessible, you know? Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. kind of what I think anyway. Yeah, but and it's, it's, it's not unlike punk rock and then punk rock turns into new wave and then new wave, like then punk rock has to become hardcore and then, you know, like it just keeps it has to stay, the underground has to stay one step ahead of what's popular. Yeah, that's true. Oh. It's inter- interesting too that one of the things that comes to mind when you talk about modern pop music, I've noticed that there's a certain like, it seems like a lot of the singers in pop music have like a, a certain like sound to their voice. Mm-hmm in a certain way and and i was kind of like man they're all sounding like very similar the Mm -hmm. ones that i'm specifically thinking of and i can't think of any like i don't know somebody like i don't know lana del you know what i mean and that's no Mm -hmm. shade thrown at her you know because i actually do enjoy some of her stuff but Mm -hmm. like i i was like where's this kind of sound coming from Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like what 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 is the genesis of this you know and then then i realized that in like I saw a video by Cat Power the other day from like 96. I'm like, this, this is where mm-hmm. like the standard pop vocal of today is coming from. It yeah. seems like Cat Power sense. really pioneered a lot of like modern pop music, hmm. vocally anyway. Yeah. And I thought that that was kind of interesting because Cat Power was, of course, an indie musician, you know, right. uh, back in the day. And it's like, yeah, you listen to a lot of like, like especially like female pop musicians like today uh it you i hear a lot of like cat powers voice Mm -hmm. you know and so i i don't know that for some reason when you talked about how pop takes elements from the underground Mm -hmm. and you know kind of like restores it in their way and their approach Mm -hmm. that's just what that was like the biggest example that came to mind to me yeah for sure yeah. And I think that, you know, uh, it's just um, sort of how it works. I, yeah. I think it's fun, though, because I, I do think that when we go through these kind of cycles, underground producers get to move up and work with these, you know, pop stars or whatever. And just because they're working with a pop star doesn't mean that they have to give up all their influences and all their experience with music. And, you know, you'll have people in there 
producing the biggest pop stars who, I mean, like suicides, probably like their main influence or some shit. Right. And so like, I don't know, I don't hate on pop music that much anymore, unless it's total shit, but I'll hear a track here and there where I'm just like, that's cool. Like if I would have heard that 10 years ago, I would have probably been way into it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't know. Sure. Um, well, yeah. So that, I think that everything is good. Cool. Especially like, you know, anytime I mention void, like anytime I'm in a shitty mood, I'm just going to be like, what what would void dweller do? And that'll make everything better. That's w- literally w- what I wrote. WVDD. <laughs> yeah. That's literally what I wrote, though, is the best parts of everything. Yeah. I couldn't think of anything else nice. to say. <laughs> good stuff. Yeah, and really yeah. good stuff. So, ladies and gentlemen, you can find us on the social medias. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Instagram and Facebook. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Accelerative Thrust on Instagram, on Facebook. We have links to a playlist for the music that we mentioned here. Um, Yeah. Check out void dweller and the next episode, we should be doing an interview with the amazing Jeff Kaiser. Um, And so listen for that. All right. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. (laughs)